Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 543 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden here with John Schaefer, December 21st, 2023. Thank you so much, John, for coming on here. We're almost done, obviously, with 2023. There's a lot to talk about on the show today. Juan Soto, the after effects of that, just kind of continuing to talk about that and a potential Hassan Kim trade. Would that be something that John would like? Um, you know, review of San Diego sports. There's obviously a lot that went on in this year. We'll talk about that there more at the end. Payroll, Padres payroll obviously is a big topic right now this offseason. So, uh, John, by the way, you can find John Schaefer, obviously John and Jim, San Diego Sports 760, the Padres wrap-up show with some dude named Jim Russell. Hmm. Uh, Aztecs wrap-up show as well that he just started. So I'll leave the links in the description. Make sure to, you go support those channels. Um, John has been doing more on the Aztec wrap-up show with uh, San Diego State football, recruiting, and basketball. So please go check that out. Uh, but John, thank you so much for coming on. And my first question is about Juan Soto. Obviously, the Padres, they deal him. We were expecting that to happen. They get back Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, Kyle Higashioka, Drew Thorpe, Michael King. Did you like trading Juan Soto considering the circumstances? I didn't like it. And Ben, first of all, thanks for having me. And I appreciate the intro and keep doing all the great work you're doing because I think it's been a great resource for San Diego sports fans and Padres fans. So for those that are here, please uh, support all the work that Ben's been doing uh, day in and day out. Um, I didn't like it, Ben, as you know, but I understand it. 
You know, it's mm-hmm. like, and some of that is kind of like when your parents say like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed, which is a little bit worse than them just being mad at <laughs> you, to be honest. They put themselves in this situation. It's understandable to get out from underneath it. I don't think it completely ruins what their plans are for 2024 and beyond, but I do think it's a little bit of a detour, for being honest. I do personally think the return has real value in it. I don't think it's the sexiest return, but that wasn't the goal. I do think it's a needs-based return. And the more you kind of look at some of the players they got back, I do think there's four players in the deal that start the year on the major league roster. Now, what impact do they have? That remains to be seen. But I think um, Higashioka has real value as a backup catcher. I think Michael King clearly slotted into the middle of your rotation. And I think you got a couple of candidates to help you in your bullpen and even potentially spot start. So maybe... It's a little bit of like lose a battle, win a war because you've rounded out your roster. I mean, n- nobody likes losing Juan Soto. But again, I, I don't love it, but I understand it considering the circumstance that they kind of put themselves in. I thought this was the best return that they could get back. And I'm more on the side, like considering the circumstances. Obviously, you mm-hmm. don't want Juan Soto gone. You don't want Trent Grisham even gone. Like he's even a good fourth outfielder. You, you know, starting wise, offensively, it needed to be better, but you still don't want to lose someone like Trent Grisham. Um, But considering the circumstances, this was the best return that they were going to get. And considering the payroll, and that's part of the circumstances, like it just felt like it obviously was necessary. And they got back pieces that are going to help them in 2024. We don't know how much Michael King's going to help or Randy Vasquez or Johnny Brito. Uh, I was just talking with Jim Callis last week. He came on the show and uh, Drew Thorpe, I think, is a possibility to come up at some point in 2024. So. These guys could help now and long term. But what was our thought when we first acquired Juan Soto? It was, well, extension maybe. 500 mil. That's not going to, you know, stop Peter Seidler. You're not going to scare Peter Seidler throwing out the $500 million number. But then there was other things that happened before this offseason with the Xander Bogarts deal, with Jake Cronenworth and that extension, with Hugh Darvish. With the TV deal going away, Peter Seidler's death, obviously. Um, now, Peter Seidler's death, I don't want to really put that in the circumstances because they were going to cut the payroll and trade Soto, I think, regardless of if Peter was here or not. It just, I think, makes it worse. It just makes it suck even more because Peter Seidler was someone that you thought anything was possible with him here. And now that he's not, it just feels like every conversation we have about this Padres team is not in a positive light where there, there's talent, but it's hard to think of things, at least in the offseason right now, positively with the direction that things are going. And that leads me to my next question here. With the payroll, I think it's down like 50 mil from where it was this past year. Um, are you surprised by this? And do you think the Padres are headed in the right direction? Are they still trying to win? Because I see some fans, they don't think that the Padres are trying to win and they think this is like a a step back year, where for me, I think there's still a lot of talent on this team. They just need to play better. I think there's a lot of talent on this team and they need to play better. I also think the feel, to your point, like with Peter Seiler, there was this belief that anything was possible. I think it's a really good point. It feels to me more transactional in in the month since his passing where it's all about dollars and cents and getting to a number. And we don't know the full vision or direction because we really haven't heard from Eric Atsenda. I mean, there's been a statement. I think there was something that Dennis Lynn wrote where he had reached out and was noncommittal on what the payroll would be, which is understandable. 
I'd like for someone to express the vision because Peter made it very clear his desire was to bring a championship to San Diego. Now, every owner would say that, but he backed it up in action. The fact that the payroll is coming down is understandable. And to your point, I think it was coming down regardless of Peter's un untimely passing or not. I believe they're heading in the right direction. I just think that they're taking on like headwinds to some extent where they got to get payroll under control and it's understandable and in a vacuum you get it, but they, some of these contracts tie up so much of the payroll that they've made it a little bit hard on themselves. And then the other part of it that, you know, you, I've been saying this a lot on John and Jim, you've heard me on the wrap up show saying like, it's, you don't necessarily want to compare yourself to someone else, but how can you not when you see what the Dodgers are doing or what the giants are attempting to do or what Arizona accomplished last year in the postseason and they're spending in the offseason, it's like you, you know, in a vacuum, you feel good about the roster you have because you have some stars, but then you see other teams getting better. And it feels like the Padres maybe are, I don't know if taking a step back is right, but they're positioning themselves for not just 2024, but beyond 2024 as well. So I think you could argue both ways. I think they're absolutely trying to win. I just think that it continues to get more challenging. It was already hard with Peter Seidler here and with the way they were spending. It just feels maybe even more challenging today than it felt, you know, even six months ago. Yeah. And you talk about the comparisons and I think it's easy for fans to get wrapped up in that mm -hmm. and looking, Oh, the Dodgers, they're getting Shohei Otani. Yeah. Oh, they got acquired Tyler glass. Now the giants, they're trying to spend, they just spent on Jung Hu Lee. They're trying to spend maybe Matt Chapman goes and goes with Bob Melvin back in the Bay area. I think that we got to realize that the Padres have already made those moves where you've got other teams in past years in the division. Man, look at what the Padres are doing. We're not doing anything. Well, now it's just kind of a role reversal. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's like, I don't know what the best comparison is, but you like buy your house and now you're just trying to get some stuff inside of it to make it be a little bit better. But you have the superstars. You have that core i think already you just need to find the best ways the smartest best efficient ways cost efficient ways to build out this roster and make it the most complete you already have all of the big things you know and hopefully that makes sense to padres fans and i just wouldn't get wrapped up in oh these they're okay so these other teams they're signing these big players well we already have the big players here part of it is they need to play better you know that the Padres didn't just sign these players to these big contracts because they've done it for one year. No, they, they have track records. And last year was not the track record yeah. for like all of these players. Um, and that's just how it happened this past year. So are they going to win 100 games? No, but they don't have to win 100 games to go win the World Series. They yeah, can exactly. win and 85. I, I... They can win 90. They, that's all that you don't have to win. 100 games we've seen 100 win teams they do nothing in the postseason and that's just the way it is so it's about being hot at the right time and so we'll see how it goes but yeah this offseason it's just I, I feel like there's a lot of fans that might get wrapped up in what other teams are doing realize what this team has already done those teams are doing what we already have yeah, and you know, I would say to to further that point. I mean, I've made this point for two years, and there's been a lot of pushback on it because I think people that have followed baseball for their lives understand that like there's typically a model in place to be successful, and that's winning divisions. But everything's changed. I mean, the, the sport is different. Whether whether you like it, don't like it, or you're indifferent to it, I'm not telling you that I'm a proponent of everything that's happened. But the the facts are the facts. 
you can win 84 games and win a World Series. Okay, Arizona was in the World Series with 84 wins. We saw Philadelphia get to a World Series. There, there's a number of examples here in recent years where teams aren't necessarily winning 100 games and winning the World Series. That's possible as well. You know, I'm not I'm not saying don't strive to win divisions, but when I hear Mike Schill even in his press conference say first order of business is winning the division, I completely disagree. I mean, again, if it was 25 years ago, of course. Today, the first order of business for me is to be playing your best baseball late and get into the postseason. Is it harder to win out of a wild card spot than out of winning in the division? Theoretically, you have another round, but a lot of these teams have not gotten through that have gotten the buy. So I say get in, put yourself in a position. This is what the Padres did two years ago. Better starting pitching than the Dodgers when it mattered. This is what Arizona did last year. Better starting pitching than the Dodgers when it mattered. So yeah, everyone wants to win 115 games, but I think most people would prefer to win in the postseason, and that's what the Padres are going to have to try to do in 2024 and beyond. For sure, yeah. And right now they have Hassan Kim on their roster. There's a lot of Padres fans that obviously don't want to trade Hassan Kim, and just like a lot of Padres fans didn't want to trade Juan Soto. But when I am looking at this roster, and we're talking about building more of a complete roster, and the Soto deal helped the Padres, in my opinion, build more of a complete roster with the pitching that they got, Kyle Higashioka that they acquired. With Kim, you look at some of the other guys that is that are on this roster. Jake Cronenworth, where is he better at? Not first base, at second base. That's where his highest value is. And maybe, maybe it's a good idea, maybe just me, but maybe it's a good idea to have the person that you just gave a seven-year contract to have him in a spot where he can provide you with the most value. Xander Bogarts, he's here long-term, 10 more years. Jackson Merrill, he's coming up. Padres don't want to trade him. I don't see him being moved to the outfield. So there's other middle infield guys that can be in that Ha-Sung Kim role. And with Kim, he's at his highest value right now. He's not going to be here long-term. Unless there's a trade that happens that I just don't see happening. Unless that happens, he's not going to be here. And so get something back for Ha Sung Kim if the right return is there. This is not Soto, at least for me. Soto, yeah, you wanted the best return, but I'm I'm trading Juan Soto just because of how much money he's making. Like that just had to happen. With Kim, I gotta get the right return because I know it's it's seven million dollars. Like you can still build a roster with Kim on your team. But get the right return, sell him at his highest value. You're not gonna get him back in free agency. And you can open up the first base spot instead of having it clogged by someone that's not a first baseman. And then maybe you get pitching back. You can get a starter back. You can get a reliever back. There's more relief help that I think is needed beyond Yuki Matsui, assuming that he signs here with the Padres on what's reported to be a four-year deal worth a little over $20 million. So where, where are you at with a possible Asung Kim deal? Again, to for for fans, there's nothing that's been reported like the Padres are shopping Hassan Kim or anything like that. But I just I'm just looking at the roster and that's it feels like a, a move that could make sense. Well, I'm sure it's a possibility. I have two thoughts on it. A, I need to know what the health of Manny Machado is before I even consider moving Hassan Kim because I'm starting the season with Hassan Kim at third base in all likelihood defensively because of Machado's elbow situation. Now I think there's probably other options there as well. Like you said, you could go the younger route. But it's going to be hard to convince people. You're in a marketing business as well. It's a, it's a business of winning. It's a business of marketing. When you trade off Juan Soto, you haven't then knocked over all the dominoes where people are putting two and two together. Hey, we traded Juan Soto. We're not trying to win. 
But all of a sudden, if you pair a Soto move with a Kim move, now again, from a PR perspective, I don't think that's a win. Maybe from a baseball perspective, you think in the long run or even in 2024, that can make you better. But at some point, you're going to discourage your fan base, not to provide apathy, but I just, I'm not saying it's a fire sale. I'm not saying that. But if all of a sudden, Soto, Kim, more money comes off the books, I mean, you know, at some point, you're going to have to stabilize a roster and really convince people we are in the business of winning in 2024, despite trading Juan Soto. That alone is probably a difficult sell. You also move Hassan Kim coming off the year in which he came off, and I'm with you. They may not be able to keep him long-term. He's going to get $100 million-plus based on his performance. He's only got one year left on his deal. But i got question marks about Manny Machado in the field right now. I've got a brilliant defensive player that has come into his own offensively. If I truly believe I'm a playoff team in 2024, to do it without Hassan Kim to then, quote-unquote, round out or address areas of need – is um i don't know it just keeps getting to be a, a little bit of a tougher sell for me if it's a can't miss package in return you have to consider it but i, I think i'd prefer to start the year with Hassan kim than, than not considering some of the question marks with manny machado's health what if and that's yeah those are great points and again it's not a situation for me where i have to trade Hassan kim what if you trade Hassan kim and that moves jake cronenworth back to second base mm-hmm and they go sign someone like Reese Hoskins to play sure. first base. Where I think that it's like, okay, well, we're trying to win here. We just signed Reese Hoskins. We moved Cronenworth back to second base. Kim's not going to be here long term. We reallocated some of this money to someone like Reese Hoskins. I'm not saying Reese Hoskins is coming. I don't think he is going to come. Right. But I'm, I'm just thinking that could sell to the Padres fan base. If yeah, you I have agree to with deal that. someone else. You bring in, you know, an impactful guy. Yeah, I, I do agree with something like that. And I'm completely on board with moving Jay Cronenworth to a middle infield position because he's better suited there because of his bat, especially as he's now, you know, in his 30s and his offensive production has only gone down each of the last three years. I do think that that should be part of the plan for the Padres, if possible, if it's not 2024, maybe it's 2025 because you do have Kim in 2024. That's understood. Listen. What can you get for Hassan Kim is the first question. But maybe maybe before that question is, wh what is the plan with Manny Machado in the field? Who has answers to that? Will he be in the field in April or will he be in the field in June? There's a big difference there. And if it's June 1st in the field, maybe he's very productive as a hitter from the start of the year, which is, which is phenomenal. But if you need to find someone to field third for 60-plus games and you trade away Hassan Kim, you, put, you could put yourself in an you know, unenviable situation is what I would say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I wanted to hit on some potential guys that you would want to see the Padres acquire here this offseason. We know that they don't have a ton of money to spend. The luxury tax, I mean, it's different if you go on spot track, fan graphs, there's yep. different numbers. There's like 199, there's 205. But let's say they have, you know, 25 mil to spend AAV wise. Who are some guys that come off the top of your head that um, you would be interested in if you were? AJ Preller starting pitching out. They need two outfielders at least hopefully more, but they need a left fielder. They need a center fielder first base bat pitching. That's what we're looking at right now. I mean, these are, it's so open-ended. Like this is why we bring, you know, guests on John and Jim to discuss those topics. Like Mike Farron from MLB network radio just about a week ago was like, Hey, keep an eye on Lord Escuriel jr. And he's now signed and you see what he gets, which is like 10 plus million per year. And you understand why the Padres might not, be in on a player like that. I think 
based on what Preller has said, so like Jeff Sanders in the UT, based on the way the team has acted, I'd be surprised if they even approached a player of the value of like a Reese Hoskins, to your point, who might yeah. get, I mean, th- I don't even know, throw out a number. Is it 15 a year? Or is it less than that? But yeah, I, I would it, say around that, yeah. Right, but if you, okay, if you have 30, and maybe that's generous, and you just spent five on Matsui, I like that. I think that's a precision, you know, you address a need. He has value maybe eventually at the back of your bullpen. Maybe he doesn't start there immediately, but at five, you understand it. And now you go from 30 to 25. If you need two outfielders, if you need one or two starters, and if you still need bullpen help and you need to upgrade your bench, I I just don't know where you're turning. I think Preller, you know, I think he laid out the plan in plain day when he said, let's see who's available in January after some of the names are off the board. Obviously, they're not turning to Cody Bellinger. It doesn't make any sense. That would take up all their money. Obviously, Blake Snell's not going to be an option. It doesn't, unfortunately, make any sense because they wouldn't have any flexibility if they did something like that. So I think you're really looking at who's the 2024 Seth Lugo and Michael Waka, right? Um, that's basically what you're looking at. Um, I think they're going to look inside the system to fill some of these roles. Like he said, Marcy would get a chance in spring training to earn a job. And I believe him when he says that, says that because of their lack of flexibility. So I, I don't, I, I've been saying it on, on John and Jim, I don't think it's going to be sexy names. Um, and by the way, are you even spending? Like there are names and then you have to ask yourself, do they provide value? Does Lucas Giolito, provide value when you look at what he did in the second half last year why would you and every starting pitcher that's on the market that's 30 something is getting 10 million plus basically unless it's a reclamation project or a player coming off injury so there's not like one name for me like they have to go get reese hoskins i mean i i don't see it like that i think it's about rounding out the roster i think they do some of it via trade and if you expect them to spend 10 million plus on a player you may be disappointed this offseason considering their needs Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I was, I've gone through some players, like, because it's not just going to be all through free agency, because you mentioned these free agency prices. I, I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if there's going to be, you know, trades or no trades to happen for the Padres for the rest of this offseason. I feel like at least one more is going to be happening. Um, Dylan Cease, I'd kind of be surprised if the Padres didn't have their name mentioned mm-hmm. with Dylan Cease because he has a couple years of control because they do have a top pitching prospect that they that they might be willing to give up. They have a strong farm system even after the Soto deal um, a couple years back, or I guess last year, but a couple seasons back. I'm thinking about you know someone like Trevor Rogers, AJ Puck from the Miami Marlins, trades like that where guys are making a million dollars and they have you know three years of control. Max Kepler from the Twins, who it's one year, it's not long term. Kevin Kiermeyer, depending on how much money he would get on a one year deal in free agency. Uh, Martin Perez already signed, but someone like that, where it's not fifteen million dollars on a one year deal, it's a little bit less than that. That's how the Padres, I think, can get to around that number that they at least the target number and stay under that because remember there's the trade deadline and if you want to be under the 237 number you got to have some room for that here at the beginning of the season so it's going to be interesting i mean the the padres they put themselves in this spot and they've also had have they've had these cards dealt to them you know like so it's because of the tv deal and Right. And like you want to spend, you know, you know, like Harrison Bader, good defensive outfielder, but they just had a good defensive outfielder that a lot of people are critical of because he didn't perform up the middle. And he's going to make, you know, I don't know, he made five or six last year. Maybe he makes seven or eight next year. And you're getting a guy with like a sub 700 OPS to fill a spot with someone that had a sub 700 OPS when you already have guys in the system that maybe could just do that already. Like, do you want to spend two, three years, seven million a pop for Harrison Bader when you could just you know, rely on your system potentially, whether it's to start the year or maybe you find some stopgap for 60 games and then all of a sudden you've got Marcy playing center field for you. Um, those are the questions for me. I know there was, you know, the Cuban pitcher like Rodriguez they were in on, yeah. but now it appears maybe they're not fully in. On. These are the type of moves you're talking about. Again, to the, to the average fan, now people watching you and me aren't average fans. They consume this content year round. But I think to the average fan, to those that go to Petco Park day in and day out or on a weekend for for bobbleheads, I don't know if you know Cuban right-hander Rodriguez or Harrison Bader are overly exciting, but that's not really AJ Preller's job. He needs to fill out the roster in the best way in which he can. The marketing should take care of itself. They have Tatis, they've got they've got Machado, they've got Darvish, but they they need to find a way to put together a roster. And again, I don't think it's going to be a sexy way to do it from now until the start of spring training. But they just need to do it the way that they they need to do it with the budget that they have. Yeah, for sure. All right, before we move on to San Diego State, just letting people know here, episode brought to you by Gaglion Bros, Famous Cheesesteaks, and Garlic Fries. Their main location is on Friars Road. The website is in the description. They've got the phone number there, the address. Please make sure to check them out. Um, they've got great cheesesteaks and garlic fries, obviously. Cheesesteak fries. They're at Petco Park, at Snapdragon Stadium. Um, and speaking of Snapdragon Stadium, where San Diego State football will be playing obviously in 2024 and it looks like they're going to have a pretty exciting team at least more exciting than 2023 i know that's kind of a, a low bar but you know sean lewis big recruiting class you know a lot of commitments quarterbacks corners safeties um 
some of these names, I'm not going to act like I know a ton about these names, sure. but guys that are taking San Diego State's offer over LSU, Notre Dame, big schools, someone transferring from Florida State, A.J. Duffy, mm-hmm. who is going to be competing um, for the starting quarterback job. Sean Lewis has really come in here, and he has related to these younger recruits in a way that I'm not so sure San Diego State um, was doing before Sean Lewis came. And, you know, they got, what, the the top-ranked recruiting class in the Mountain West, according yeah. to one of the sites. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't I don't think that means a whole lot. Like, what matters the most is what happens on the field. But I'm already sensing more excitement from the fan base. I'm already sensing, like, okay, this is refreshing. Like, I can't wait for next season. I think that's what you're experiencing as well. 100%. You know, um, uh, listen, they, the, the truth is they've had a lot of success the last 15 years, but they needed a refresh of their offense. And this provides a good reset time coming off a season in which they weren't bowl eligible for the first time in forever since Brady Hook's second year. And you look at what Sean Lewis did in such a short period of time, it just feels like he's brought – this sense of optimism for the fan base and you're seeing a lot more activity not just on social media from like the staff but from aztec fans you're seeing a lot of positivity there was a lot of um it was polarizing last year right there's a lot of fans were expecting more and hoping for more and we don't know what the other side looks like here and they got a really challenging schedule in my opinion in 2024 but i'm with you i think it's start listen i don't know everything about this class either but i do know this He's run some of the better offenses in college football over the last decade as a play caller, and he's brought in two highly sought-after quarterbacks, and it's not just us saying that. I mean, Danny O'Neill had 12-plus Power 5 offers, was committed to Colorado, and A.J. Duffy had been at Florida State the last two years and was a high four-star recruit out of the Inland Empire. So those are two quarterbacks you bring in. And then I just think the the offense is going to be completely overhauled. And there was an interesting name late. I didn't even see this name until maybe yesterday, Jay Sean Polk who spent four years at Kent State, and then last year was at West Virginia, but he played for Sean Lewis for four years. I started Googling him last night, and he's an unbelievable athlete. He's a 5'10 receiver. He's got over 1,000 career receiving yards. He's been injured a little bit. He's a great return man. I watched some return last night on ESPN.com. I sent it to Jim. It was the it was like a Madden glitch return. He was like fully brought to the ground like multiple times, yet stayed on his feet and had like some kick return touchdown my point is this they've brought some real skill here as well i don't know the full extent of the skill that they brought in there's the colorado transfer tight end that had a nice year last year with 30 plus catches there was a former walk-on there's this um poke receiver i just mentioned that was at kent state there's these quarterbacks as well so um i think the the reasons for optimism are legitimate and we'll see how long it takes for sean lewis to implement an offense that he's been able to have so much success with yeah, there's the UCLA transfer as well. I mean, yeah, safety. you talk about uh, Michael Harrison, I believe, yep. was the Colorado right. transfer. So, yeah, it's exciting. And I think that what also is refreshing is we're talking about the program. We're talking about the head coach. We're talking about the players. Were we talking much about the players this past season? Or were we talking about, oh, there needs to be a change. Uh, the There's no one going to games. We were talking about stuff that wasn't all about on the field. And so I think that's really, really refreshing. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see where this goes. We'll see how long this process takes to really see the results. Um, but, yeah, I mean, get this team to a bowl game this next year and be, you know, top half of the Mountain West. I think I think that's what Aztecs fans should be asking for. I think that's pretty realistic to ask for. I don't think that you should be asking for them to – 
you know, being a New Year's Six game for, you know, the first year of Sean Lewis, these guys are just coming into the program. It might take some time, but it's more interesting. There's more interest in this program from the fan base. That's what J.D. Wicker wanted. That's what Sean Lewis wants here. Um, and I think overall it has to be good for the university after a couple disappointing seasons to open up Snapdragon Stadium. No doubt. I mean, it's brought a lot of life into the football program. I think there will be a lot of excitement at Snapdragon Stadium. I will say, to your point, I think a bowl game berth is a huge win because if you really like pare down the schedule, it's as hard as they will play because Oregon State, Washington State, Cal are all on the schedule. You could argue that's three power five opponents, depending on, again, how you clarify Oregon State and Washington State, but they've got different resources from a budget perspective, and Oregon State's coming off a really good year. You also have the unique situation of playing both Oregon State and Washington State at home, which I think is pretty cool for Aztec fans. But when you say Oregon State, Washington State, Cal Berkeley at Boise State, just off the top right there are four really challenging games. And I'm missing their road games in general. They're going to Laramie to play Wyoming. They're going to Utah State, I think, in Logan. So it's not easy. From a scheduling perspective, that alone doesn't concern me. But like they can make my point is this: they can progress, but we'll see how much they can progress in the win-loss total, considering the schedule they're going to play. Yeah, let's move to basketball here. San Diego State—they've got two losses on the year, and I think both of them—you know—one of them probably should have been a win, and the other—I mean, it's it's tough atmospheres. Both of them tough atmospheres that they played in at BYU, uh, who ended up being ranked, I think, right after that. And then at Grand Canyon, like that's that's one of those where it's like, yeah, don't have that on the schedule. Probably like that's going to hurt you. You win that game and the people that decide who gets in the tournament, they're going to be like, oh, it's Grand Canyon. And if you lose that game, oh, it's you're, you just lost a Grand Canyon. Really? But I mean, if you go watch that game and at Grand Canyon like that, that atmosphere, it's it's different. Um, so I think you should have actually had to watch that game if you're on that committee. Hmm because it was just different. But are you surprised by anything that has happened so far in San Diego State season? They're, what, 9-2? and two. They just obviously had the big win. Um, or huge win, I should say. Not big win because it was St. Catherine, but huge big margin. win <laughs> yeah. uh, against St. Catherine. But Trammell, we'll see if he plays against Stanford uh, later tonight. Jay Powell. Jaden Ledee has been amazing. Um, still have Lamont, obviously. And Reese Waters has shot well. Just some initial takeaways so far with San Diego State season. Man, um, it, it's been, it's been fun, is what I would say. It has been exciting. I mean, they have they have four games that were hanging in the balance on the final possession of regulation. Washington and Vegas, they had a large lead. Cal and San Juan Capistrano, they had a large lead. Both of those were overtime wins. UCSD was a rabbit out of a hat stuff. Amazing the way they won the game. I mean, truly incredible to win at the buzzer. Um, UC Irvine, they trailed by five with fifty eight seconds left after a banked in three. And then they made some huge plays down the stretch. This is who San Diego State has been the last two years. What, what got a lot of attention is, oh, my gosh, they blew a lead in Maui to Arkansas. The truth is, since that moment, all they do is win close games. And we were saying in the NCAA tournament last year, and I, I actually was, I was down a rabbit hole the other night, and I was watching some videos from the Final Four, like with the players and media between games, before games. And what people were saying, including me, was that if they can get to within five of UConn with five minutes to play, they'll believe they'll win the game. And by golly, they were down five with five and a half minutes to play. And then UConn, to their credit, made plays down the stretch and won the national championship. But San Diego State trailed by 14 to FAU in the final four in the second half. 
you know, a, a unbelievable team last year, Florida Atlantic. So they have a knack for winning close games. Now, are they going to come up on the right side of those each and every time? Maybe not. To, and to to the overall point about where they are, nine and two is is exactly where they need to be. In terms of every game they're playing in the non-conference, the most important game they're playing in the non-conference is tonight against Stanford. It's not Gonzaga in a week, and it's not anyone they've already played. It's tonight against Stanford because it would be deemed a quote-unquote bad loss. But Stanford is a much improved team. They've got veteran players. They've got size advantages everywhere, and they've been close to getting over the hump this year. They've got double overtime loss to Michigan. They've got a close loss to Arkansas, maybe double overtime loss to Arkansas, close loss to Michigan. They've been very close. This is a huge opportunity for Stanford. For San Diego State, you need to hold serve. Cannot suffer a home loss to Stanford, even though I expect this to be an, a really good game that could come down to a final possession or two. So for me, this is a crucial game for the Aztecs here tonight, and we'll see if they're fully healthy and if they can take advantage of it. If they win this game, Ben, they've done everything they need to do in the non-conference. The worst-case scenario would be three road quad one losses. There's no shame in that. They'd have a 10-3 and record even if they lost to Gonzaga. So a lot of it hinges on tonight for the Aztecs. Agreed, for sure. So you mentioned the Final Four, and that brings me to my last question here. Obviously, we're almost at the end of 2023. Man, that felt like it was just yesterday when the Final Four happened. And yeah. I'll remember probably for the rest of my life where I was hmm. when Lamont hit that shot. I was at Snapdragon Stadium working. For oh, the you were game. working. Yeah. I was, yeah. And they had the game on the Jumbotron and they're about to let fans into the stadium. And Lamont hits the shot like a minute before and everyone's going nuts. Uh, that was this year. So many good things happened in San Diego. San Diego FC was announced. Yeah. Obviously, the loyal going away was definitely sad mm -hmm. um but wave fc winning an nwsl shield and you know naomi germa and Jaden shaw really blossoming on the u.s women's national team um the snapdragon stadium friendlies dortmund and man united with uh Wrexham, u.s men's national team gold cup uh against panama u.s women's national team had a friendly against columbia here recently nwsl championship game megan rapino's last game here in san diego uh, Gotham ends up winning that the Mexico uh, friendly that happened here as well a lot of good things that happened in San Diego I don't know if I would label it as a success in 2023 for San Diego because the main thing is the Padres and it was a failure of a season but there was definitely a lot of positives to take from 2023 what, what would you say about just the year overall for San Diego sports in 2023 well, I'm always going to remember, to your point, San Diego State's run. And as mm -hmm. someone that's like in the middle of my career and is like older than you and has worked in sports like their whole career, you understand how hard it can be to make a run in the NCAA tournament and how special it can be. It just brings everyone together. It's amazing for a university or a city in San Diego State's case. You know, to be in a city as large as San Diego and have everyone rally behind a run is pretty special. Um, and you just knew it when you were in it. I, I remember so after they won against Furman, they're going to the Sweet 16. I'm like, this is something you just don't know if you get it again. You don't know how long it takes to get there. You can be a great team. There have been one seeds that lose their first game or two seeds that get knocked out in the first round. So you can never predict when you make a run. That's something that I'll remember for forever. Um, my lasting memory from there is obviously Lamont, but it's also when we flew back to San Diego after the championship game loss was really surreal. There were like helicopters over top San Diego International and there was a police escort for San Diego State's buses back to the campus and the police had closed down like the highways and people were like stopping their cars and like waving. It was like 
it was surreal. It was it was honestly incredible. And it's something you know that it could happen back-to-back -back years. It happened with Butler. Or you could go 25 years and not see anything like it ever again. So, uh, you know, for me, I'll remember 2023 is just like a, a magical time. Yes, there were the Padres struggles. But I still think the future is bright. And I think with the expanded postseason, you still never know. Um, so, yeah, I'll remember it based on that, that final four run and the Lamont shot and everything that surrounded San Diego State's unbelievable story of of 2023 and it was unbelievable yeah and when you really think about it like the early early of 2023 with San Diego State basketball and then late 2023 with the hiring of Sean Lewis and the 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 freshness the the restart really of San Diego State's football program I mean just a tremendous year for the two major sports for San Diego State and then San Diego State softball uh, what they did as well um, yeah, super in the regional. NCAA, yeah. yeah, in the Super Regional. So, yeah, I mean, San Diego State, what a year for for them and what a year for San Diego Wave. And just there's still a lot of positivity for sure coming off of, of a big, long 2023 calendar year. Um, and I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what happens in 2024 because I think the Padres are going to be better. The Wave are hungry to go win the whole thing, not just win the regular season. San Diego State football, San Diego State basketball. We'll see what happens there. There's a lot to be, you know, excited about. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, John Schaefer, San Diego Sports 760, Aztecs wrap-up show, Padres wrap-up show, John and Jim weekdays three to six on San Diego Sports 760 on YouTube as well. Uh, great, great job from them every day. Thank you so much for joining the show, John. Really appreciate it. Uh, maybe Jim will let me on the show sometime. Um, it's possible. <laughs> it is possible, but no, I appreciate you having me, Ben, as always. Um, happy holidays to you and your viewers and 2024. I'm with you. I I'm excited. I think if you're a San Diegan and you're a sports fan here in this community, there's reasons for optimism and, uh, nothing like the start of a, a new year. So yeah, we'll see what 2024 brings for San Diego sports fans. All right. That is it. Episode 543 talking friars. Thank you everyone for the time again. What a great year. I appreciate everyone in the audience. Don't take you for granted at all. Um, couldn't do it without you. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. For John Schaefer, Ben Fed, and that is it. See you later.